Welcome to the Benzo Free Podcast, your home for an honest, straightforward, and personal discussion about anti-anxiety drugs, their effects, and how to deal with dependence and withdrawal. Whether you have taken benzodiazepines, Z drugs, or any other tranquilizers, know someone who has, or you just want help dealing with chronic anxiety and insomnia, this is your podcast. I'm your host, D.E. Foster, author of the book, Benzo Free, The World of Anti-Anxiety Drugs and the Reality of Withdrawal. I'm so glad you joined us today. Please stick around and let me bend your ear for a few minutes. It just might feel a little better on the other side. Well, hello there. This is Dee, and welcome to episode 33 of the Benzo Free Podcast. I'm doing quite well today, actually. Been doing some trip planning for an upcoming trip, which always makes me happy. <laughs> you know, for some, I know this is probably kind of like fingers on a chalkboard, <laughs> but for me, it's almost as much fun as actually taking the trip. Weird? Probably, <laughs> but that's me and I'm okay with it. <laughs> you know, before I get too far, I do want to remind everyone that we now have a time index in our show notes. If you want to know when our mailbag starts or our feature or even our moment of peace at the end, check out the top of our show notes for our new time index. Hope that helps you find what you're looking for if you just want to listen to one section of the podcast. Now, I promise I won't make the intro very long today, but I do want to hit on a few things about the podcast, including what's to come. Let's start with interviews. In in case you didn't notice, I haven't had an interview in a little while. <laughs> I had one scheduled recently, but unfortunately it kind of fell through. I, I hope to have this person on later, but for now it'll need to go on the back burner. As for other interviews, well, that's on me. I haven't spent a lot of time asking, actually. I've, I've been busy with the podcasts and other things in my life, and I just haven't done the legwork that needs to be done to, to go into scheduling and setting up an interview. But no worries. I'm not done with interviews, and I promise I will line up a few in the coming months as soon as I can get around to it. But that does bring me to the topic of what's coming up in our podcast. I know I never talk about what's to come, <laughs> and part of that is so that if a topic or guest falls through, I haven't you know, disappointed anyone. But I do want to share a few ideas I got kind of mulling around in my head with you, if you don't mind. First off, for next week's episode, our feature topic is going to be quick questions for benzos and withdrawal. And I need your help for this one. I need questions about benzos, withdrawal, symptoms, about anxiety, insomnia, depression, about this podcast, or about your host, me, (laughs) or about life, love, lust, laughter. I will pull questions from one submitted for this episode, from past correspondence, and even from other sources. I can't promise I'll use all the questions that are sent in, but I'll do my best. But I will promise you this. I will follow one rule in this coming episode, and that is I'm going to limit each answer to under 60 seconds. That's what makes it rapid fire. (laughs) You know, this could be really fun. So please send in any questions you want to cover. You can even send in a whole list of questions if you like. I usually record on Mondays, so the deadline for submitting content for this episode will be this coming Sunday, September 1st, 2019. And if you're listening to this episode past that date, no worries. I still would love to get questions regardless of the date. 
Submit questions on our feedback form or via email. Instructions for that will be coming up in just a minute or two. Also, in the coming months, you know, I've been mulling this one around for a while, but I'm thinking of doing a roadshow or two. It's something I've wanted to do for a long time since I kind of started this thing. It gets a little redundant <laughs> recording this podcast in my basement all the time. It's always the same look around me. I got two queen beds over there, some old sofas over here, a ping pong table to the right. There's a stuffed woolly mammoth in the back. I got the door and used commercial carpeting on the floor and plastic wrapped insulation on the walls. It's an unfinished basement. So this basement of ours is a hodgepodge of all kinds of things. But I get tired of looking at that and I want to get out and I want to get out and see different things. I would love to record a podcast by a stream side or on a hiking trail. I'd love to do it maybe in the back room of a coffee house somewhere, wherever. Anyway, I don't know what this is going to look like exactly, but I have ideas and and I'm open to any more you might want to share. I'm going to be doing a couple of road trips in the coming months and I already got them scheduled. And I was thinking of recording on location while I'm traveling. Nothing fancy, but just want to see what might happen. I have a pretty decent portable recorder so I can record wherever I'm at. Here's what I'm thinking so far. In early September, which is only a couple weeks away, I'm going to be in Kansas City to help my sister move. Hi, sis. <laughs> and I thought I might record an episode somewhere in that area. And in November, I'm doing a two to three week road trip to the southeast U.S., not sure the entire triptych at this point, but it will include a bit of hiking, some national parks, some scenery, some golf, seeing friends, and maybe even a few days at a Florida theme park. You know, it might get in there. <laughs> anyway, I hope to record an episode or two along the way. Not sure where quite yet. It might be Tennessee or Kentucky, the Great Smokies, North or South Carolina, Georgia. Who knows? I haven't decided yet, but... It's just an idea at this stage. I still wanted to mention it to you. But you know what? If I do, I had this thought that maybe one or two of you might want to come and join, you know, and be part of the recording or even just come say hi. So I'm going to try to keep you informed as this thought moves forward. And please, if you like this idea or you'd like to participate or something, reach out and let me know. I'll keep you updated. Today's format will follow our normal routine. Well, for the most part, again. We have our intro, story, and our feature, and we'll close out with our moment of peace. But we will skip our mailbag today. Our Benzo story today is a bit longer than usual, and I wanted to allot enough time for it. Also, since next week is that quick questions episode, we'll be doing plenty of questions for that one. Our feature topic today is nerve sensations of Benzo withdrawal. This is part 12. Yes, we're at part 12 of our 14-part series on the symptoms of Benzo withdrawal. Today we'll cover symptoms such as hypersensitivity, that's a big one, numbness, paresthesia, skin rashes, itching, and tingling. And as I mentioned in the intro, we need feedback, questions, comments, stories, suggestions, corrections, additions, questions for next week's rapid fire, or perhaps even ideas for my road trip. Either way, I need feedback. This is your podcast, and the more content I can share from you, the more benzo-free becomes this community it was designed to be. So please... Tell us what you think. Visit our feedback form at benzofree.org slash feedback or email us at podcast at benzofree.org. And you can also comment directly on the podcast blog post itself for others to see. And don't forget to sign up for our mailing list at benzofree.org slash subscribe. 
And one last thing before I move on, the Benzo Free Podcast is for informational purposes only and should never be considered medical advice. If you're listening to this podcast on one of our providers, please leave feedback on that carrier. It really does help new listeners find us. That's it. Let's move on to our Benzo story. Today we have something a bit different for our story. This is from a friend of ours in Washington, D.C. She prefers to remain anonymous, so I'll refer to her as our friend. I've been corresponding with this person since April of this year. In episode 16, in fact, we shared her complete Benzo story if you'd like to check it out. When our friend heard about our need for news stories, she sent this story about some recent events in her life while she was dealing with withdrawal. It has a really good lesson at its heart, and I wanted to share it with you today. Here's her story. In thinking back over the summer and pondering why I'm having a string of pretty bad days, it did occur to me that perhaps I am overdoing it a bit. I am so disgusted with being so non-productive and unfocused and idle for so long that when the opportunity arises to do anything, I jump. So, here is a recap of the summer thus far. June 1st. Drove from Washington, D.C. to upstate New York, seven-hour drive. Spent three nights with a good friend, then drove to Long Island, New York, where I stayed with a pretty toxic friend for two weeks. I stayed that long mainly because I wanted to be near the ocean. And as is often the case on this gypsy journey that parallels my healing journey, I really didn't have another place to go. July 10th. Left Long Island and drove back to upstate New York to visit another struggling friend. Five-hour drive in pretty intense traffic the first three hours. Why is it that everyone who is still part of my life seems to be a mess? Messes attract messes? Anyway, stayed in upstate New York for two and a half weeks. During the visit, I began to notice that I was grinding my teeth more than usual and was having pretty bad pain in my teeth and gums. For me, it is often difficult to differentiate sensations of discomfort and pain after such a long time of living with so many bizarre symptoms. It eventually became evident that this was different pain, and it was centered in one tooth. I soldiered on and tried to avoid eating anything hard and only chewing on the side of my mouth as the tooth was dead center in the front of my lower jaw. July 28th. Drove from upstate New York to Cape Cod to meet some of my family members for a little vacation. Five-hour drive. Rather enjoyed it except for the tooth, which by this point was throbbing pretty much non-stop. I felt pretty well most days on the vacation. I, I had things to do and people to do them with. I had a purpose and focus to my days, something that is rare during withdrawal for me. By the time I left Cape Cod, I could not even drink through a straw without extreme pain. But I was so happy to have been by the ocean and able to lie in a great big bed in a beautiful room feeling the cool breezes on my skin at night. August 4th. Drove from Cape Cod back to upstate New York. Five hours and an easy drive from me. Easy in withdrawal terms, which is very different than a drive used to feel when I was well. Spent two nights in upstate New York to break up the drive back down south to deal with my tooth. 
The second morning I woke up to a crashed computer. Would not turn on. Total panic for me as my computer keeps me connected to the world. Yikes! August 6th. Drove to D.C. along eight hours in heavy summer traffic. Made a dentist appointment for the 8th. Rested up a bit. Swallowed more ibuprofen. Dropped off the computer. Needed a new logic board. Expensive repair. More stress because my finances have suffered during what is now over eight years of not being able to work. August 8th. Drove to Easton, Maryland, where I lived for five years of the Benza withdrawal journey and where my dentist is and my vet. Two and a half hours at the vet's. Rosie had our annual visit. Off we drove to the dentist. Let me not forget to mention that my dog goes everywhere with me. I I rescued her two years ago, just had to have another dog to keep me company, and I had gotten well enough to take care of a dog, something I couldn't have done before the long taper process or in the first year and a half of being benzo-free. Rosie unbeknownst to me at the time of the adoption, suffers from separation anxiety. One reason I got her was to help with the anxiety. I did not have it pre-benzos and wasn't prescribed benzos for anxiety. How bizarrely fitting for somebody with debilitating anxiety to be the mother of an anxious dog. We work it out. She gets in her little black bag when we grocery shop, go out to eat, go to the movies, go to yoga when I am able. I got to the dentist to have my mouth looked at and to have a cleaning. The dentist was on vacation, so I could only see a hygienist. After a quick look at my mouth, she took a great many x-rays and upon looking at them said that she could not clean my teeth until the dentist had to look at the x-rays. The painful tooth was so loose that she was afraid to clean them. Yep, this was ramping up my anxiety. I went and spent the night with a friend as I was beginning to feel too tired to get back in the car. August 9th, phone call from the vet. Rosie had tested positive for one of three tick-borne diseases. Anxiety spiked. Drove back to Washington, took my car in to be inspected. The car flunked inspection due to bad rear brakes. Are you kidding me? Just had the clutch replaced and was told everything was in good order. Called my mechanic who works in Charlottesville, Virginia, where I lived last year, and made an appointment for August 12th. I then went to pick up my computer, and somebody took out my side-view mirror while I was parked. This is getting good. What next? August 11th, drove from Washington to Charlottesville, another longish drive, spent the night with my sister, and then took the car in. Car brakes fixed, but not paying to replace the mirror. Figure... I can fix it myself at least well enough to pass inspection. I used to be able to fix anything super handy, not so much during benzo hell. Had a peaceful day at my sister's and left the next morning after having my hair cut and colored. I have to note that going to the hairdressers was something I enjoyed pre-benzo hell, but it has become a pretty anxiety-producing endeavor for a long time now. And then there is the having to bring Rosie to the hairdresser factor. She freaks out at the sound of hair dryers. We made it through and got back in the car to head to Washington. August 13th, back in Washington. Talked to the dentist who said I need a root canal and that he could refer me to somebody he knew in Easton. Oh no, not somebody new. And more anxiety. August 14th, emergency trip to the new dentist, drove back to Easton, stopped at my old dentist to go over things. 
Talk to the vet. After a further blood test for Rosie, it seems she did not have the disease, but had been bitten by a tick and was fine. A little good news in the midst of a lot of bad. Stopped at my old yoga studio just to breathe for a minute, and then headed to the new dentist for a root canal, something I have never had, but that always sounded like a horrible procedure. It was indeed pretty bad, but the thought that relief might be on the way after five weeks of pain made it tolerable. Drove back to Washington after the procedure, truly do not know how I was able to handle it. There was a time not so long ago that a trip to the dentist was almost unbearable. I guess it's more healing. Not unbearable at all anymore. In fact, kind of liked having a focus and people to talk to. August 16th. Repaired the car mirror well enough to pass inspection. August 18th, headed back to upstate New York. So here I am a few days later and feeling like hell. When I wrote the timeline above, it occurred to me that a well person might be feeling a bit overwhelmed, a bit exhausted. For me, it goes way beyond that. So there it is. I am trying to find some humor in it all. Humor in the extreme overwhelm and endless suffering. It does seem almost like a comedy of errors sometimes. What is your take on doing too much when one is still healing? I would be interested in other people's input on this subject. I try and find humor in it all and hope you will have a chuckle over my tale of my summer travels thus far. I am sure there is healing going on. It is just hard to feel it when you feel dark and gloomy and exhausted. Exhausted, but you can't sit still. That crazy, raging brain. Well, thanks to our friend. I, I loved this story. Um, it was a wonderful mix of the reality of Benza withdrawal and some required humor we all need to get through this this gauntlet we're in. Yes, it is so easy to overdo things in Benza withdrawal. We've all done it. I do it still to this day and all the time. I mentioned in the book that one of the keys is to keep busy, and, and I do believe that. The distraction of keeping physically and mentally busy helps. It helps get us out of our own heads and think about others for a while and think about other things in life for a while. But you can overdo it. I did that when I launched Benzo Free, and I had to pull back some, which I did and still do at times. Don't push yourself too hard. The healing process can take a long time for so many of us, and few others will ever truly understand that fact, even when we have trouble understanding it ourselves. And that length of time makes it really hard for us and for those around us to have patience. But we gotta find that patience. For some of us, this is a long, long journey. And we have to find the resolve to carry on through it all. You know, it's important to find a balance. That's the trick. Don't lie in your bed all the time and obsess about every single symptom. But don't push yourself to run a 10K or get back to work too early. Thanks again to our friend for sharing her story. I really enjoyed sharing it today. I thought it was a very nice blend of benzo withdrawal, humor, and what I did last summer. 
And don't forget, we still need stories. Just go to our feedback form at benzofree.org slash feedback and share your story. Or send an email to podcast at benzofree.org. Now let's dive into our feature. Today our feature topic is Nerve Sensations in Benzo Withdrawal. This is part 12 in our 14-part series on the symptoms of benzo withdrawal. Today we're going to talk about hypersensitivity. That's a big one. Numbness tingling, paresthesia, formication, skin rashes, and itching. And you know what? Before I dive into this, I do want to say something up front. I want to put a reminder out here again because I've said this in the past, but I haven't said it lately, and I think I need to make sure I repeat it a little more often. For those who have listened to the podcast for a while, you know that this entire podcast, (laughs) for some people, could just be one big-ass trigger warning. (laughs) Sorry for my language, but... It can be because we're talking about symptoms of benzo withdrawal and they can seem ridiculously frightening to anybody going through this because we all start to think this could be me. And I really want to try to quell that. I really want to try to jump ahead of that. Make sure you understand that it probably won't be you. We're covering all the possible symptoms. It's, it's kind of like first-year medical students. When they, when they go in and they first start to reading about all the diseases, and so often these medical students think they have every disease in the book. In benzo withdrawal, it's even more likely because our brains are already somewhat hindered, so we're not thinking straight. So when we hear these symptoms, we're thinking we're going to have those. But here's the thing. I'm covering a lot of symptoms in here. Nobody gets all of these, and most people don't even get 10% of them. These are possibilities, and they are also extremes. When I talk about myself, and yeah, I know I'm five years out and I still have symptoms, but please keep in mind, I am an extreme case. Remember that only 10 to 15% of long-term benzo users experience protracted withdrawal, which means withdrawal after 18 months of your last dose. I am one of those people. But we are the minority. Most of you will not be in protracted withdrawal. So when I talk about all these symptoms and I talk about the severe cases of the symptoms, please remember that these are the 1, 2, or 3% or maybe 5% of patients and it probably won't be you. Many people do get through benzo withdrawal with almost no difficulty, and those who do, it doesn't usually last five years like me. I wish I knew a better way of discussing all the symptoms with you, but I don't. I have to be honest, and I have to talk to some people about these symptoms who are having them in a bad state, but if you're not having these symptoms yet, please be careful of the suggestibility of this podcast. All right, let's move on. This feature topic is a bit of a hodgepodge. Um, All the symptoms in this category are connected, but kind of (laughs) loosely. We're going to tackle them one by one, and I hope you find this method more instructive than not. You know, hypersensitivity is a great place to start. It's a big one. In my book, I opened chapter 12, which was titled Symptoms of Benzo Withdrawal, with a question about what one word I would use to convey the general experience of the cluster of symptoms in benzo withdrawal. My response was simply this, hypersensitivity. Those of us in benzo withdrawal feel more 
We feel more pain, more agitation, more restlessness, more emotion, more aches, more spasms, more anxiety, more depression, more hopelessness. For some of us, benzodependence has caused our central nervous systems to become hypersensitive and overreactive to everything. And now a year later, after I published that book, I have to agree that was the right word. We are the epitome of hypersensitivity, both physically and psychologically or emotionally. We've talked about the psychological sensitivity many times in this podcast, and for good reason. In Benza Withdrawal, it's a big deal. But today we're going to talk more about the physical sensitivities. The most common physical sensitivities in Benza Withdrawal are sensory hypersensitivities. You know, Professor Ashton wrote a detailed description of these symptoms in her manual, and I'd like to share a paragraph or two with you here. I, I hope you don't mind. She says, A characteristic feature of benzodiazepine withdrawal is a heightened sensitivity to all sensations, hearing, sight, touch, taste, and smell. When extreme, these sensations can be disturbing. One lady had to stop all the clocks in her house because their ticking sounded unbearably loud. Many have had to don dark glasses because ordinary light seemed dazzlingly bright. Some find that the skin and scalp become so sensitive that it feels as if insects are crawling all over them. Heartbeats can become audible, and there may be a hissing or ringing sound in the ears. Many people complain of metallic taste in the mouth, or several notice strange, unpleasant smells which can emanate from the body. These sensations, including an unpleasant smell which usually no one else can detect, have been described in anxiety states in the absence of benzodiazepines. Like insomnia and panics, they are probably reflections of heightened activity in the central nervous system. Such hypervigilance is part of the normal fear and flight response, which is damped down by benzodiazepines, but undergoes a rebound during withdrawal. You know, sensory hypersensitivity is very common, as Ashton just stated. I see it constantly in the stories that you have shared with me. I've experienced a few of them myself, including the strange smells. That's a weird one. The odd tastes, the tinnitus, definitely have that one during my withdrawal. Thankfully, I didn't have the extreme sensitivity to sights and sounds, which so many others have had. Those symptoms can be quite distressing and limiting. Some, some people have had to shut themselves in their homes for days or weeks just to avoid any visual or audible triggers. Sensitivity can also include our response to food and drink or medications. Things like caffeine, sugar, and other substances can cause severe reactions during this time, often with avoidance being the only option, at least for a while. This hypersensitivity also affects our relationships. You know, back in episode 19, I shared an email from Anne in Canton, Michigan, and she wrote the following. A suggestion for a future episode would be that of the effects of BZD withdrawal in relationship intimacy. This doesn't mean just intimacy of the sexual nature, although with the scrambled dopamine serotonin, there is that issue. But things like how ultra-sensitivity to sound, light, and agoraphobia can negatively impact some of the dynamics of an otherwise loving relationship. 
I love that insight from Anne. And, and I took her advice. Episode 19's feature was actually titled Relationships, Intimacy, and Sex and Benzo Withdrawal. Go check it out if you'd like. Like Anne said, our hypersensitivity affects more than just us. It affects those around us. And this, among so many others like anxiety, anger, and depression, can put a strain on our relationships. So what do you do? Well, Professor Ashton does have some good news about these symptoms and our recovery from them, she says. These sensations return towards normal as withdrawal progresses, and some people are pleased with the new, seemingly extraordinary clarity of their perceptions. Only in withdrawal do they realize how much their senses have been obscured by benzodiazepines. One lady described how thrilled she was when she could suddenly see individual blades of grass in her newly bright green lawn. It was like the lifting of a veil. Thus, these sensations need not give rise to fear. They can be viewed as signs of recovery. As with all of our symptoms, these ease with time as you heal. And, and finding ways to avoid the triggers in the meantime, or at least limit their effects, may be the salvation that you're seeking. Let's move on to numbness and tingling. In benzo withdrawal, our nervous system is damaged for so many of us. And like so many other symptoms, numbness and tingling just makes sense. Strange sensations might be the title of this group of symptoms. And most of the others, too. We, we feel things when we shouldn't feel them. And we feel different things than we felt before. The good news about numbness and tingling is that it's rarely debilitating, and usually it's short-lived. Still, when combined with heart palpitations and chest pains, it can send you to the emergency room quite quickly. These sensations can be localized or even throughout your entire body. They are usually nothing to be concerned about and will fade as you progress. But they can be irritating and they can be frightening. Just know that these are common symptoms of benzo withdrawal. Another common one is paresthesia. I never knew this word before benzo withdrawal, nor echesthesia or so many others, but I know it quite well now. First off, let me define. Paresthesia refers to strange sensations on or near the surface of the skin with no apparent physical cause. Common complaints include burning, tingling, pins and needles, numbness, or even electrical impulses. Another common term used for this type of symptom is formication. No, not fornication. <laughs> Get your mind out of the gutter. Formication. Formication is a type of paresthesia, and it is usually identified by the feeling of something crawling on the skin, like a spider or bug. Sounds like fun, doesn't it? <laughs> Paresthesia, or actually formication in my case, is one of my longest-lasting symptoms. I, I wish I could say it's gone, but it's not. My version is the sensation of spiders crawling on my face, mostly on the left side. I know, this sounds horrible to some, but it's just a feeling, and I've gotten used to it. In fact, it is now kind of like insomnia for me, a bellwether, a, a sign I'm in a wave, even a mild one, like more recently. Also, it can be a sign that I have increased stress or anxiety, which also can lead to a wave. Anyway, 
The good news is that it's not a real problem for me anymore. It's not even really a nuisance. Most of the time, it's not there, but sometimes it is. It's not as bad as it used to be, but part of that might just be I'm used to it. And as for managing the formication or paresthesia, wherever it is on your body, I, I found direct pressure actually to be the best treatment for me. If I just put my hand on that part of the body, for me, it would be on the left side of my face, or even just touching it often makes it go away. It's almost like it's sending an actual signal to those nerve endings, and they stop kind of freaking out, and they calm down. Now, it doesn't always last forever. It may last for only a little while, but sometimes it lasts for a while. And sometimes I'll just sit there with my hand in my face, and by having my hand on my face, it stops it. But mostly just knowing that this isn't going to hurt me, and that it's a normal symptom, and that it's temporary, makes it much easier. Let's move on to skin rashes and itching. <laughs> okay, I meant itching. Let's go on to skin rashes and itching. I'm going to leave that in. What the heck? Unfortunately, our skin also can face the wrath of benzo withdrawal. I'd like to share another passage from the Ashton Manual here. I, I know I'm reading more from Ashton than usual today, but she says it far better than I can, and she says a lot of great things about this group of symptoms. So why should I try and find another resource? This passage from Professor Ashton also speaks to other symptoms we've already talked about in this category, and not just rashes and itching, but I think this is a good place to mention this. Ashton says, All sorts of strange tinglings, pins and needles, patches of numbness, feelings of electric shocks, sensations of hot and cold, itching, and deep burning pain are not uncommon during benzodiazepine withdrawal. It is difficult to give an exact explanation for these sensations, but like motor nerves, the sensory nerves, along with their connections in the spinal cord and brain, become hyper-excitable during withdrawal. You know, some of these sensations can be painful and even debilitating, like the burning pain and electric shocks, but most of them are more of an irritation. Ashen continues by sharing some research she did in her clinic on these symptoms. It is possible that sensory receptors in skin and muscle and in the tissue sheaths around bones may fire off impulses chaotically in response to stimuli that do not normally affect them. In my clinic, nerve conduction studies in patients with such symptoms revealed nothing abnormal. For example, there was no evidence of peripheral neuritis. However, the symptoms were sometimes enough to puzzle neurologists. Three patients with a combination of numbness, muscle spasms, and double vision were diagnosed as having multiple sclerosis. This diagnosis and all of the symptoms disappeared soon after the patients stopped their benzodiazepines. Thus, these sensory symptoms, though disconcerting, are usually nothing to worry about. You know, rashes and itching are something I have experienced during withdrawal, and it can be quite difficult to ignore. During withdrawal, I experience a series of red bumps on my skin in various places, along with some other odd skin rashes and patches. You know, since I'm a redhead with the skin that goes along with it, I get checked by a dermatologist regularly, and I've been assured all of these bumps and rashes are benign. The itching can be quite intense for some, but often can be soothed by 
moisturizing creams, or cold packs, or other natural remedies. Since dehydration is very common in benzo withdrawal, dry skin might also be a cause, and drinking enough fluids and moisturizing your skin can go a long way to alleviating some of these symptoms. In closing, much like the other groups of symptoms we have discussed on this podcast, most of these symptoms are benign and will go away as our withdrawal progresses. If you are truly concerned it is a sign of a more serious condition, then please get it checked out by your doctor. And that wraps up our feature for today. But before we get to our moment of peace, please bear with me for about 30 seconds for a disclaimer. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered medical advice in any way. The host of this podcast is not a medical professional, nor is he engaged in rendering medical health or psychological advice nor any other kind of personal professional services. The views and opinions expressed by our listeners and interview guests on this podcast, whether read from textual submissions or presented in their own voice, do not necessarily reflect those of the Benzofree podcast or of its host. Withdrawal tapering or any other change in dosage of benzodiazepines, non-benzodiazepines, or any other prescription drugs should only be done under the direct supervision of a licensed physician. Our full disclaimer can be viewed on our website at benzofree.org slash disclaimer. And that brings us to our closing, our moment of peace. It's just one minute, and it's an opportunity to quiet your mind a bit before you return to the chaos of the real world. The way this works is that I will give you a brief introduction, perhaps a suggestion of something to focus on. Then I will play a soft bell, which will indicate the start of the one minute. This will be followed by another soft bell, which will indicate the end of one minute. And that will be the end of the episode. Feel free to continue to meditate if you choose. If not, continue on with your day. Please remember that you should only do this if you are in a safe place where you can close your eyes, relax, and let the world pass by without you for just a minute. Today we're going to return to another favorite mantra of mine. The mantra is, let go, let God. This can be very useful in freeing ourselves from all the burdens we carry with us every day especially when it comes to managing benzo withdrawal. Your body is healing and you can't control it, nor should you try. If you don't believe in a supreme being, that's fine. Substitute your own mantras such as, no worries or let my body heal. Anything that takes the onus of the whole situation off your shoulders, even if it's for just one minute. Let's get started. Close your eyes and relax. Take a deep breath in. Hold it for a second and let it out slowly. Let's do that again. Take a deep breath in. Hold it for a second and let it out slowly along with all the stress of the day. One more time. Take a deep breath in. Hold it for a second and let the breath out slowly, relaxing your entire body. 
Now just breathe slowly and naturally and repeat your mantra, let go, let God, or whatever mantra you choose to use at this time. If your mind wanders, just gently bring it back to your mantra. No judgment at all. Continue to do this for one minute. Next episode is episode 34, and it will be released next Wednesday. Thank you again for joining me today, and please, let me know how we did. Keep calm, taper slowly, and take care of yourself. I'll see you next time.